This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hey, traders, this is Eddie Horn from Top Step, and this is Limit Up. This is where we talk with traders, market participants, and trading psychologists to help you improve your trading. Today, we have our host of the Market Forecast, John, a.k.a. the Hogue Hoagland. Johnny, how you doing? Hi, Eddie. I'm doing great. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, today, today in this podcast, uh, we're going to be talking about a tool of the trade, or, or better yet, a trading tool. And I did say tool. Hmm. Tool as in uh, chart? No. Uh, streaming data? Mm, nope, nope, nope. Uh, trade and probability calculator? Oh, no, no, no. You know, um, no. Ah, it's the ever so valuable trading journal. The trading journal. Yes, indeed. Uh, the ever so informative trading journal, of course. Everybody should be journaling their journey in trading. I firmly believe that, and I think this is a really good tool to do so. Well, you know, I contacted Moritz from Edgewonk and uh, read off a few questions for him regarding the trading journal and uh, some of the uh, reasons why they developed a trading journal there at Edgewonk. Well, gotta love that company name. <laughs> it's even more of a plus that it has a journal to uh, log in your personal aspects of your trading, the emotional side. Right. One thing to it, that's what a trading journal is about. It's about logging in your data, your journey, your highs, your lows, the good, the bad, even the ugly. John, what are some of the benefits of keeping a good journal? Well, everybody can, you can post your charts, you can post your reasons for trades, you can post all the facts of the trade, but that's only, to me, part of the journal. The The, the bigger part, the more important part of the journal is the emotional part, you know, we are, we all tend to make the same mistake over and over again. Well, why is that? It's probably because it's more of an impulse. It's more of a fear-based trade. So that's why I think it is so important to keep track of emotions at each stage of a trade and each stage of a trading day. Because recognizing when you're making fearful decisions, you're a lot closer to being understand that you're putting yourself at risk. Right. And the thing is, you might not even realize that a certain time of the day uh, you trade the worst. And there's probably no rhyme or reason behind it. Maybe it's just you yourself as a trader. So you log this in and then maybe down the road, maybe a week or maybe even just a couple of days, you're like, well, listen, uh, from like uh, 10 to 11, you know, I'm not really trading so well. So maybe I should avoid that time altogether. And sometimes that works for you. Absolutely. But it's going to be a longer period of time for you to recognize that pattern without journaling. So that's why I think it's so important. All right, Johnny, uh, you ready for Moritz and Edgewonk? I certainly am. All right. Here's my interview with Moritz Subentinsky and Edgewonk. Moritz Schubodinski studied philosophy in Germany, became a professional poker player, and then applied his gambling skills to trading while traveling around the world, mainly through China and Southeast Asia. He's co-founder of both Edgewonk, a professional trading journal, and Trade Society, a community by traders for traders. Would you please welcome Moritz? Moritz, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me. I am super great. I had a great 2018 and um, stoked for 2019. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. Very nice to have you here. Now, what I did mention here in your bio, is there anything else that I left out? The main reason is for Edgewonk, the professional trading journal that um, we talked about a few years ago. 
I wanted to bring it back. I feel a very important process for successful trading is to have that professional trading journal. And I really like the way that you've set things up over there for traders. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, Edgewong is becoming more and more popular with the trader scene and i'm really happy about that and uh, actually uh, last year that was pretty cool um a high level poker player like i'm not gonna say his name it was quite interesting he contacted us i was a big fanboy of him when i was playing poker and he contacted us if he could get an edgewalk discount because he's switching to trading so <laughs> that was a pretty nice moment for me as a as a fan <laughs> Now, let's rewind a little bit and wanted to find out what was the concept that fueled Edgewonks to a trading journal? Like, like I mentioned just a little while ago, it is so very important for a trading journal. A lot of people are very faithful to a trading journal. A lot of people, you know, I don't need a trading journal, okay? It's, it's just <laughs> taking up my time. If you are trading successfully without a trading journal, that's fine. But if you are not trading successfully, you don't have a trading journal, I suggest that you start filling one out so what fueled the trading journal idea uh well for me it was because i came from the poker background and um, every professional poker player i knew had a notebook if they were playing in the casino they had a notebook where they wrote down notes about every hand if they were playing online there was a tool similar to edgewonk actually and it recorded every hand for you and then you could go back replay the hands and so on so when I switched to trading, the first thing I did was to look for a trading journal because um, I knew I needed it to become profitable and there was nothing on the market that satisfied me. So I created my own um, in Excel back then and um, slowly but surely that Excel sheet grew bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> and it became so so good that uh, my business partner Rolf um, he said let's combine our trading journals and um, make it available to everyone in the trading space and that's what happened now what you are doing you're sort of bridging playing professional poker and trading that had something in common that you took from your poker days and you applied to your trading days now one of the things about trading and about poker is risk versus reward. You probably know that very well. Yes. Pot odds, risk versus reward. Yes. Pot odds. That's basically the term you use in poker for risk versus reward. Right. And, you know, I'm really impressed on how poker players, and seeing how I didn't know this, that they have their notebooks. I thought they just knew the basic rules very well, advanced rules very well, and they just put that into their card playing. So, I mean, there's a lot of homework going on there that we don't see. Definitely. I mean, the, the secret of the success of poker is um, easy to learn, hard to master. I mean, you can learn the rules in a few a few minutes um, or one or two hours. But if you really want to play successfully on a international level or even win some regular regular games in your uh, local casino, you absolutely have to do your homework, same like in trading. All right. Now, having that personal trading journal, why do you feel it's important to have something like this in your trades? Simply because, for, at, at least for me, um, I don't know any, no, I know one professional trader that doesn't have a trading journal. <laughs> but besides that, I don't know any professional trader without a journal. And because there's no learning by doing in trading, you need to review your trades. 
you need to um, assess your mistakes, uh, what you did wrong, what you did right. And because the right decisions not always lead to the correct results, like in many other fields, you can do absolutely everything in a correct way and you will still lose the trade. So that's where our brain gets completely messed up. And we need to review those trades and have an objective way of doing so. And that's where the journal comes in, and that's where it helps us learning. Lawrence, let me ask you, was there something that you had from your poker journal that you took and used in your trading journal? Um, That was mostly um, psychological. So I would, after every session in a casino or online, after every tourney and so on, I would write down, the lessons learned, the most interesting hands I played, and I would put those into a playbook, so to speak. And uh, so I could review them later on um, with basic uh, concepts and advanced concepts attached to them. And that's also something that we took into Edgewonk with the session feature, where you can review a daily session, weekly session, monthly session, write down your lessons learned, and process the information in yet another way besides only statistical so so the setup is like what if this hand is played or what if i have this trade and the market reacts this way is it sort of a telltale this is what i need to do uh it could be absolutely you could write it down in a what if fashion or like if this situation arises again what did i do in the past which mistakes did i make um, yeah, absolutely. You could do it that way, but you don't need to do it that way. You could also simply go with, for example, today I was uh, very angry because the player across me said something uh, that aroused me, and then I made a mistake. <laughs> and then you have to le- you have to work on your psychology. Right? Okay. Now, talking about important stats mm-hmm. that you can integrate into your journal. What would those stats be to help me? Well, firstly, of course, you need to know whether you have a positive expectancy. So you need to know the win rate and your risk versus reward on average per trade. So when you take a trade in the future and you have a risk reward ratio, which is not in uh, line with your win rate, you know that you shouldn't take that trade. That's the very basic thing that journal helps you with um, to know that you have a positive or a negative expectancy. And besides that, uh, what helped my trading the most was, for example, um, tracking gut feel versus trade quality. So in a trading journal, usually you have stats, you have the psychology and so on. But most of us are systematic discretionary traders. And we need to train that discretionary side as well. So what I did is I can grade trades from one to five, five being the best quality and one the worst. And then I have a gut feel scale also from one to five. And if I have a five quality trade, but my gut feel is only a one, then I know there's something off. And by that, I can train my gut feel to steer in the right direction and um, start trusting my gut feel more, which is, um, I think, a huge edge because... Otherwise, we are just systematic traders and we could just um, program our strategy into an algorithm. But the systematic discretionary side, the discretionary side, the human side of trading has to be trained as well. And that's one step that helps with that, for example. Yeah, you mentioned gut, gut feeling. 
Um, yeah. I think we, we all experience that in just about every trade. You know, should I put it on here? You know, where should I put the stop? Should I get out here? What should I do? You start seeing the market or maybe a flash over the wire news bulletin comes out. Uh, you see your market starting to move and you're like, well, you know what? My stop is here. And it sort of customizes positively and negatively your trade uh, when you start getting that gut feeling. Now, having that gut feeling with poker, I mean, you don't have room to put up charts. You don't have room to tell you three kings have been dealt already or, <laughs> you know, you don't have that. But how do we relay that to trading and how do we use it to our advantage? Uh, gut feeling is uh, something we can train. So basically, it's um, it's the sum of all of our experiences. It's subconscious. We cannot really actively influence it, but we can over the long term influence it by studying a lot and making our experiences, and then also putting those feelings in relation with the actual results. Which is why I record my gut feeling for every trade. So I found out that. For a lot of my trades where I had a gut feeling of a three or higher on a one to five scale, my win rate was significantly higher, no matter how the quality of the trade was from one to five. So that told me already that my gut feeling is actually either very objective or uh, my, I mean, my brain is uh, recognizing the patterns, which uh, I don't even realize consciously or my gut feeling is so important for me that if I have a bad feeling about the trade, I'm going to mismanage it. I don't trust the setup. And that's why I have a lower win rate and a lower risk reward on those trades where my gut feeling is not good. So then you need to dig deeper on that, for example. You know, gut feeling, posting that in your journal. I think that is something of high value. You didn't have charts behind it. Your game plan wasn't behind it. But if you were correct on that gut feeling, I mean, that would be something that I would post in the journal. And then alongside of that, I would post market condition. Was there an event that was released? Was there a economic number? Was there a psychological price that got hit? Uh, why did I do this? And the, you know, success or failure, either way. And then I can learn from it. So if I come across this again, where market's starting to move again, situations are comparable of what happened last time. Let me check it out if you remember it and you can act accordingly. In my experiences, a lot of that helped me out because I'm uh -huh. not thinking as the actions are moving. I'm not thinking as the markets are moving. I just know how to react. What happened last time? How did it turn out last time? What did I do? Was it successful? Was it a failure? And now I know at least I got an edge, you know, a little advantage of sort of replaying that same situation. So that helps big time also. Now, Moritz, we talk about tools, trading tools, my trading arsenal, um, my <laughs> mindset. You know, there's a lot that goes into trading. There's a lot that you can and should be posting in your trading journal, the emotions, the time of day, uh, market movements, whatever it is, you need to post that in your journal. Now, what are some of the tools used for a good journal? And when I say tools, I'm sort of opening it up to you. Anything that you deem fit, something that works for a successful trading journal. What are those tools? All right. So... 
the most important thing you can do is <laughs> have a good screenshot software <laughs> because uh, every trade I take, I take a screenshot of the entry of when I manage the trade, when I exit. And also I take a screenshot of um, maybe um, one or two days after the trade. So I can see if I put my take profit in a or my stop loss in a sensible manner or if I managed the trade correctly, if I exited before the trade hit my stop loss or take profit. Those are the things um, I do with screenshots. So I use Snagit, for example. And the other thing you really want to have is this kind of mission statement, which I write down in a simple notebook. I read it every day before um, doing anything. It's part of my morning ritual. And basically what's in there is why am I trading? What do I want to achieve? Uh, where do I? Where am I going with this? Where do I want to be in five years, in 10 years? And I review those goals um, every year because obviously we are, not, um, <laughs> we are not cruise missiles that go into one direction and never change. We are like um, human beings. Um, our, our situations change, the world changes and so on. So of course you can plan five to 10 years ahead, but your goals or you, the ways to reach those goals will change over the long run. But that's something I do every morning and it helps me to keep grounded as well uh, when trading and just sticking to making the right decisions because I become complacent sometimes. I don't uh, want to look at the charts in the morning to do my preparation. I just want to wait for the session open and jump jump on. And um, yeah, every time I do that, obviously I lose money and so on. So yeah. Reminding myself of where I want to go and why I'm doing this helps me a lot. I could sort of compare that to a kid at a carnival. You know, <laughs> as soon as you get there, you want to run in there and you want to conquer the world. You want to do everything without even thinking. I mean, child mentality yes. relates to trading where uh, a lot of us just sort of turn the screens on and, okay, where's my opportunity? Now, you mentioned the ritual. And I think this is very important to a lot of traders that they, sure, I've got a ritual. This is what I do. And this is what I promised myself. But the question is, can I follow through? Uh -huh. Can can I follow through? Can I follow my rules? And the thing is, I, I need to be honest with myself. You know, I can't be cheating myself, lying to myself, promising myself and breaking the promises. Because the thing is, trading is just about me. I'm making the decisions. I'm logging in the journal. Um, yeah, I'm putting up the money. It has to do with honesty and keeping true to yourself. And I want to just you know, stress that you need to have that ritual. You have it written and you go over it every day. And that should be a normal practice that traders should have. This is what I'm looking for. This is my goal. This is my target. Today's objectives are these. I will do my best to try to hit these as best I can. And the thing is, that's that's about it, Morris, is the best that you can do. You, you can't do any better, you know? Just yes, try. Absolutely. So, yes. you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I've been talking, <laughs> actually, Morris, I've been preaching Trading Journal for the longest time. Um, I know uh, Mike Patak here, the founder, Top Step, on the trading floor, we'd have like pockets full of trading cards. And, you know, I would number some with just suggestions or situations. And he did the same thing. 
it was funny because it's like they closed the floor down or they they minimized it. And all of a sudden, everybody you talked to that was on the training floor, they all did the same thing, but it wasn't out front. It wasn't like, oh, hold on a second, everybody. I I need to take a note. You know, it, <laughs> it was more or less like, okay, I got, I got a couple minutes here. Let me write this down. Um, you know, do this, write this down. Remember that and, and put it in your pocket. And I mean, they were, they were, it was funny because, you know, just about any trader coming from the floor to electronic trading did this and they, they kept some sort of log, some sort of notes, some sort of reminders. And it's, it's just progressed to such a, a great program that every trader should be having this. Now, more it's talking about the trading diary or the stat-based journal. Tell me, which is more important? Are they both important? Are they both? Tell me. Well, I would, if I, if I had to choose one, I would definitely go with the stats-based journal because it can tell you so many things about your trading. However, if I don't have to choose, <laughs> I would say the trading diary comes in a very close second because psychology, of course, is important in trading as well. And as we, we talked about uh, that before, the subconscious, and um, that's what you can train with a trading diary. You can train your gut feel and so on. So that's over everything, always. Like um, no amount of good psychology and um, books by Van Tharp and so on are going to help you if you don't have the positive expectancy. And you can only reach the positive expectancy if you analyze your trading objectively with a stats-based journal. All right. Ideally, it would be best to have both. See, now, me as a trader, I would imagine that our trading styles are different. You look at things differently than I do as far as uh -huh. trading in the markets and such. And I would probably say that the, the trading diary, the mindset, for, at least for me, would probably uh -huh. be something more because that's where I make my mistakes. What I like to do, and a lot of, a lot of people know, I like to do the Google Earth on a, on a market. When I look at the charts, I look at the, uh, you know, the, the monthly, then I go down to the weekly and then I go down to the hourly 30 minute. And then I land on my 15 minutes, which I'm very comfortable with, but I see the big picture first. And I think that is where I can at least focus or fine tune and ask myself, what kind of mindset do you have as I'm putting my game plan together? This is such a big factor. And of course, then I gradually put in stats. Then I start including the numbers. Then I start trying to get the math on my side. So it, it works either way, depending on your trading style. So I'm, I'm glad we sort of put that question out there because I know there's some that are saying stats-based journal. That's, that works for me. <laughs> And then there's others that are saying that, you know, hey, you know, um, I, I got to look at myself in the mirror first before I even trade. So I, I think we made some good, sure. made some good points there. Um, uh, more it's valid setups. Just knowing that a setup is valid. What are some good reminders to take valid setups in trading? Well, the, for one, of course, the mission statement you read in the morning is going to remind you to only take valid setups because that's what makes your edge. On the other hand, If you are running a trading journal, every time you take a setup which is not valid outside of your rules, you're creating useless data <laughs> because you're not trading your rules. Uh, there is nothing to analyze about that trade in the long 
run. So actually, the only thing you're doing is gambling. And you need to remind yourself of that. If you don't have a stats-based <laughs> edge, then there's there you simply don't have any um, anything to do in that trade. You shouldn't be in that trade at all. And that's what I remind myself of all the time. I don't want to see one single trade in my journal that is outside that was taken outside of my rules. I mean, sometimes, of course, I as you said, I do the Google Earth too. Um, sometimes the monthly and the weekly and the daily they line up in such perfection that when I execute on the lower time frames, I give myself a bit more discretion. But that's built into my trading plan. But I'm not gonna go and uh, look at. For example, the higher time frames and say, "Wow, they are so bullish, and I really want to get in on on this pair." And there is no setup for me on the lower time frames. Then I simply have to sit it out, or I have to develop a strategy to take those trades. But I cannot take trades simply because I feel like it or bend the rules. Because once you start bending the rules, it's becomes very dangerous uh, it's basically it's the it's the pandora's box bend one rule and you don't know where to stop and then you start seeing or you start seeing the term gambling uh yes. co coming into play and see coming from a professional poker player background and then coming into trading obviously if you're saying all in when you're trading you're you're at the edge of the pier. You're on your, you know, uh, your your last leg. If you're saying all in on poker, it's it, your day hasn't been too well, or uh, your day has been fantastic, and you just want to sort of eliminate the other players at the table, saying that you know what, I got a good hand. Now, um, bringing that over to trading, like I said, if you're saying all in on trading. I guess it could work either way, but being a professional, smart, wise trader, you're never going to put everything on the line um, because one of the things that a smart trader will ask himself is how much can I lose instead of how much can I make? It's funny because my wife, when she goes to the casino uh, and my son goes to the casino, you know, I remind them to ask themselves that question. How much money can you afford to lose? Better than saying, you know, I'm going to walk out of here. I'm going to walk out of here with lots of money it, because you're just setting yourself up for a fall. And <laughs> absolutely, you know, it, it, it works better if you're sort of saying, all right, I didn't lose this much. And even people, you know, that you see that go to Vegas or wherever they go. And, you know, how, how was Vegas? Did you win any money? I mean, those are like two questions that you always ask. And you know, they're <laughs> like, well, you know, I, eh, I, I came back scratch, flat, you know, uh, I'm even, which is which is totally cool. I mean, how, how many times <laughs> you go on vacation, you come back and say, I'm even, you know, um, exactly. or, or, you know, they took everything I had. You know, I, <laughs> I had a pawn my suitcase, you know, but. These are things that we have to put in front of us and ask ourselves, gambling, gambling, gambling. It, you know, what's your take on if I told you, Moritz, you, know, you said, yeah, I trade. I go, oh, you're still gambling? What would be your comment on that? <laughs> would be the same comment <laughs> as I, I told the people like when I was uh, still playing poker. So sometimes they ask me, how much did you win? 
I would tell them uh, five thousand. Then the next question was, uh, but how much did you lose? <laughs> it doesn't like people don't understand this business at all because our brains are not made to work to think in probabilities and expected values and so on. So it's incredibly hard to explain to people the concept of um, professional gambling so to speak even my statistics professor in university like i explained to him the basics behind pot limit omaha or no limit holden at that time and um, i expected him to understand what i was doing but he didn't get it at all he still thought it was just uh, gambling so i think there's the best answer to that is um, okay thanks <laughs> that's it right let me ask you a side note What's your take on the luck factor? Like, luck, uh, yeah. uh, like I know my, my son, he's, you know, he goes and plays slots and it's like, Hey, I want 300 bucks. Hey, I want 200 bucks. Hey, I want 500 bucks. And it's like, I'm down 600. And it, I mean, I'm just figuratively speaking, but how much is luck a factor? In poker, you mean, or in trading? You know what? Let's just put it on the table for both. <laughs> All right, so the luck factor in poker is definitely higher, um, in my opinion, because well, you have to assess what the other enemy, what the villains are holding um, based on their historical play and so on. So basically, you have to guess their hand, and then you don't know which hand is gonna, uh, which card is gonna come on the flop turn river and so on. So you also have to assess your. Um, you have to go into very deep meta levels the higher you play uh, in stakes. So you have to think like what is he thinks that I'm thinking that he thinks and so on. You have to predict players' reactions. Um, maybe they had a bad day yesterday and they're not playing their usual style and so on. So there's tons of factors influencing how a game or how a single hand plays out. And um, it can... In poker, you can play a hundred thousand hands for break even and be a winning player still. So that means in a casino you play like thirty hands um, an hour. Hundred thousand hands—that's that's a lot of time, and you could absolutely play break even over that over that time frame and still be a winning player with a positive expectancy. Now in trading, if I if I uh, take a hundred thousand trades and I'm not making money, then um, that's it. You know, I stop trading. That's a nightmare. I think most people don't even take a hundred thousand trades in their lives. So the luck factor in poker is definitely higher statistically than in trading. However, of course, in trading you have those black swan events which can ruin you in the matter of seconds, <laughs> which increases the luck factor a little bit once more. Well, thank you for answering that question. I sort of, I sort of threw that at you, but um, <laughs> like I said, I mean, it's uh, all luck. You know, he, he was so lucky on that trade, or uh, you know, that hand yeah. he got dealt two queens. How lucky is that? I mean, you see it, you hear it, and sometimes it's like, wow, I just missed my stop by a tick. Boy, was I lucky. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it happens. It's just a matter of how well and uh, what are the odds. Now, let's get back to talking about our trading journals. Moritz, I've heard of three types of trading journals. Uh, I, I did a little research and found the the learning journal, okay? Um, uh, also, the obviously, the trading journal, what we're talking about, and a psychological journal, which we've sort of touched base on, 
Now, to combine these, put these all in one journal, um, are these all necessary? I think so, yes. Uh, I would combine the learning and the psychological journal. So the learning journal is simply like, oh, what lessons um, did I learn? Um, uh, what, uh, what conclusions can I draw from my past mistakes and so on? And the psychological journal is more like, how did I feel about this trade? How am I feeling today? Um, how did I sleep last night, for example? Is there stress maybe in my private life? And the trading journal is stats-based. So if you can or if you want to, you should combine all three of those into one um, journal because let's not make it too complicated, but where people overcomplicate it most of the time is in their trading journal. They want to track all sorts of uh, stats which are actually completely useless or then they start finding spurious correlations, which is also quite interesting. Um, but for the learning and the psychological journal, Definitely have both. Keep it simple. For the trading journal, if you don't know what to track, yeah, well, take a look at Edgefunk. Of course, I'm biased. But um, besides that, yeah, always have three of them. Okay. Uh, let's break down a, a trading journal. In your estimations, what would be a well-compiled journal that you would consider a successful journal? Well, I would basically have, of course, all the trades listed. That's the first step. That's simply the data collection. And then maybe a simple spreadsheet of um, what is your expectancy, your win rate, your risk reward. So you can get a quick overview of how you're doing. Then an equity curve, of course. Um, there's a lot of things you can read from an equity curve as well. And um, a bell curve maybe as well, how the distributions of your winners and losers what else I would definitely have is something like a holding time so you can see whether you're holding your losers or your winners uh, longer. And those things combined already can give you a great overview of your um, of your performance. If you want to go deeper then, and you have to go deeper if you really want to find an edge, then you need to split up, of course, the trades into different categories like um, grade them from quality one to five, uh, what was the market condition at that time? For example, how did you feel and so on? And how much did you risk? And based on that, you can then later on filter. So you can see that every trade you took with a 2% risk, for example, was a loser. Why is that? Well, probably because you were risking too much and then you made mistakes in the process after. So the most important thing about a well-structured journal is the possibility to later on filter for certain categories of trades to drill down and see where you are losing money and where you are making money. And then you focus on those trades where all the categories fit together when you make money. And that's how you become profitable. That's how you turn a shit strategy into a great strategy. That's how you go from a losing trader to a winning trader. Right. And that's, I think we're all sort of looking for that unless we're just here for the gamification. But uh, I'm sure all the hard work that <laughs> a lot of us put in uh, are looking for that, that payout. Every trader that I've talked to uh, always has some sort of pre-market prep, has some sort of signature, some sort of habit, a news article or a news website. Let me ask you, 
what's the one thing every trader should have with them every day? Now, besides the trading journal. Uh, that's a very easy one. <laughs> if you have read uh, Pitbull by Marty Schwartz, um, it's a checklist. He has the he he made millions of dollars in the market, and still after so many years in the market, he had a printed out laminated checklist which he filled out before every trade, and that's the easiest way to deal with uh, fear of missing out and um, psychological problems and everything. If you have this checklist in front of you, I have it uh, taped to the right side of my monitor actually, so I look at it before I take any trade. And actually I trade eight setups. So I have eight post-it notes stuck to my monitor. And um, before I take a trade, I take a look and I make mental check marks on all the setup criteria. And then only then if I fulfill all these points, I will get into the trade. If not, then I will simply wait for the conditions to appear or I will let the trade pass because there's always another trade just around the corner. There is magic words that you said. There's always another trade just around the corner. And if you miss a trade, yeah, a lot of traders, uh, you know, they get down on themselves. They, they lose the confidence. What I've always said is if you do miss a trade, but you've got the right call, all right, don't file it in failure, file it in success because you did make the right call. It's just a matter of you didn't go through with the actions. I mean, you read the market well, your game plan read well, uh, that played out, but you were a little slow on the trigger. I want to add to that answer. Now, you mentioned Pitbull, Marty Schwartz. Remember his phone clerk, Debbie, in the book? <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> uh, th that was my sister. Oh, really? Yes, that was my sister, <laughs> Debbie. And uh, she got me on the trading floor. She was on the trading floor and she worked his phone. She was strictly Marty's phone clerk. And the, the thing about it, too, is whenever she'd pick up the phone, like if it was a dead market, this is sort of a side story I'm, I'm sort of sharing with you. Um, you know, in, in the market, nobody was really doing anything. It was funny. I'd come over there and I'd, you know, hi, Deb, how you doing? You know, blah, blah. And she'd go, watch, watch, watch when I pick up the phone and watch what everybody does. And it's a true story. She'd pick up the phone and put it by her ear, and you'd see people getting off of chairs, sitting off the floor, jumping up, going, what's there? What's there? What's there? What's there? Uh, knowing that, you know, Marty's picking up the phone. And then she'd wave it off like, no, it's not Marty. And everybody would go back to, like, you know, sitting on the trading step or, you know, going back. And, oh, you know, my God. And so that was That's pretty so funny. Cool. But, um, yeah, he was he was a pit bull. He was uh, very demanding. And, you know. I guess it got him to where he wanted to be. So, but anyway. Absolutely. Um, all right, Moritz, now it's time for the Eddie question. Um, <laughs> it's a question that I sort of pick out. Something completely different, something fun. I mean, not to say that these questions were not fun. I had a great time talking with you. I, I always have a Thanks, good time. Man. Yeah, it's always a good time. Now, here's the question. Now, we're not going to talk about trading journal. Nothing to do with trading journals. If you could create an app that would do anything, Moritz, what would it do? That is a very deep question, obviously. Um, I thought about this for quite some time, actually. And I would do something that helps humanity advance a little bit, at least. And what I would really love to have is 
something like you would need a little bit of hardware with that. Basically, um, you connect this thing to your phone via Bluetooth. And, you know, like um, for people with diabetes or something like that, a pen, put it on your finger. It takes a small drop of blood and then it would analyze your blood for all kinds of things. For example, what would be the best diet for you? How is your blood sugar? Um, how are your liver values? Um, do you have any cancer cells in your blood? So many things we could analyze with that it would be amazing. I mean, people wouldn't, if they go at all uh, to the checkup one time per year, and it might be too late already if they have cancer, for example. And um, with something like that, it would be amazing uh, if it would work. And there was this company, uh, Theranos, I'm pretty sure you heard about it. They tried something like that and failed spectacularly. There's a movie coming out about that soon as well. But it's an awesome idea, and I would love to have that for myself as well. So, yeah, that's if, if I had unlimited resources and uh, time, I would definitely try to realize that. Maybe with um, Elon Musk or <laughs> something like that. You know, don't, don't, don't stop dreaming. There you go. Don't stop dreaming. It's a fantastic idea because I know, uh, you know, after you were uh, gone from this planet, they'd probably have a St. Moritz statue uh, erected somewhere, somewhere. Um, but it's, it's a great idea to have something like that using technology. And, you know, I tell you, your idea, I, I really don't see that too far from the distant future. I mean, that it sounds like something that can gain focus and seriousness and actually be used by us. So Yeah, it, it could happen. And I mean, there are so many things with the cloud. You could, um, if people agree, uh, use their data anonymously, for example, analyze those uh, blood tests from millions of people. And well, I think there would be so many benefits for science and for health. And uh, it would just be amazing. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, come out with like a an app for emotions where you take a little drop of blood, and it says, <laughs> "No, you're 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 way out of line. You should not trade. Stop." And it just sort of closes your account. There you go. So add that, that would be to great it. too. <laughs> add that to it. Now, more. It's I tell you, people listening right now, traders listening, probably wondering. You know what? I'd like to see what Moritz and Edgewonk offer. Now, let me ask you, how can you be found online? Give me the details, Moritz. Uh, we have um, two websites. One is uh, edgewonk.com, E-D-G-E-W-O-N-K. And the other one is a Trade Society, a Trade and then C-I-E-T-Y, like society. And I'm on Twitter as well, where I um, usually I don't post about trading. I just post whatever is on my mind that day. So either love it or hate it it's uh, twitter.com slash stock tcm so stock like the stocks and tcm and i'm also on instagram under the same handle and i mostly post food pictures and travel pictures there <laughs> food yes i like <laughs> see you know what's 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 neat about uh what mortz is doing is he is keeping separation but he is inviting everybody to see different aspects of what he does and what he likes. And I, I appreciate that you sort of opened up like that. That's totally cool. Well, Moritz, I appreciate the time with you. And uh, as always, as always, um, I hope that 2019 
uh, brings you fame and fortune, and you can possibly work on that really cool app idea that you have. And uh, <laughs> let me know if you Thank need you. any help with that, please. I'm, I'm available awesome. for you. All right. I will think about you. <laughs> right. Thanks, Lawrence. But otherwise, uh, have a great 2019. All the best. Edgewonk.com. Check it out. Moritz, thank you very much, sir. Thank you, too. Had a blast. All right. Take care. Thanks a lot. And we're back. Um, you, know, you know, John, you have to like the reason behind Moritz and developing that trading journal. Not only was it helping his trading, but many other needs, wink, wink, in his financial endeavors. Well, it's going to be useful in any aspect of life that you're hoping to improve, whether it's your health, whether it's quitting smoking, whether it's getting better at playing basketball, you really need to kind of keep track of and journal all of these different things that you're feeling and even the mechanics that you're using to improve your performance. Right. You, you know, John, I know that having a good trading journal, it can and will help you through tough times. One of the better things is it prepares you for just about any previous situation that you've come across. That's if you have journaled and logged in the day's trading events, and you have to do it thoroughly. And in an organized fashion and review it. You know, you mentioned it's recognizing a previous situation. Well, if you've gone through a few trading days and you've reviewed that journal and you've taken a look at your emotions during those trades, the next time you see that situation, you're going to recognize that pattern faster, whatever it is. It can't help but speed your learning curve. You know, that, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, with Edgewonk, it helps you perfect your trades. It stops you making mistakes. And what's nice about it is there's everything in one place. You take one look, one screen, and you can go from there. So it does help you throughout your day. And it's a very good tool to have. Agreed. Now, John, with you being our head trading coach here at Top Step, in your views, what are some of the important things to include in your trading journal? Well, of course, there's the facts of the trade, okay? The, the, the setup, the reason you took the trade, why you set the risk where you set the risk, why, why you chose the, the particular profit target given the fact that there is one. All very important information. To me, it's more important to recognize you know, what I was thinking and feeling emotionally, physically, uh, mentally throughout that trade. Uh, because I think reviewing that at the end of the day, you actually live that trade through twice in that day. I'm not saying if you're in a trade for an hour, you need to focus and relive that trade for an hour. I'm talking 10 or 15 seconds. But try and generate the feelings, generate the changes in the physical being that you were experiencing while you were actually in that trade. And from that, you're going to be able to find patterns in your behavior. When I start to feel this way, this tends to happen. It's the first thing it did for me was show me that, hey, the trades I was most nervous about were probably the better trades. The ones I was really confident in didn't didn't have the same probability of, of a winning trade. Well said, John. And duly noted, of course. John, you know what? Thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, it, it's always a good time to talk and learn with John Hogan. It's always a good time to sit and talk with you too, Eddie. All right, traders, as always, thanks for spending time with us. And if you enjoyed the interview, please feel free to leave us a rating or review. It helps us reach new traders. We'll see you next time. Johnny, thank you very much. Thank you, Eddie. And thank you for the interview, Mr. Moritz. All right. Take care, everybody. See you next time. Editing and post-production of this episode was done by Dante32.
Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.